0: Entrepreneur Weekly interviews the brilliant leaders of today in order to provide a stepping stone of wisdom on the journey to personal business ownership. Now here's your host, Alan Taylor.
1: Well, don't forget our magazine on newsstands everywhere, Entrepreneur Magazine. Our website, Entrepreneur.com. Usually, the hardest part about it is spelling the word. I still, I still struggle with it today. Anyway, it's fun. Um, Entrepreneurs, okay? Uh, A lot of us, we start out, you know, single, chasing our dream. And then one day, maybe we get married. And then comes the baby in the baby carriage, you know, the old saying. And then, then one day, you're like, oh, well, my business partner, which for me was my wife. And to this day, 40 years later, she's still my business partner. Matter of fact, she's the CFO. But we also raised... Four children of our own, and two or three of other people's, just because they were at our house all the time, and uh, but my my wife uh, continued working from home, and so she was what is called, I guess, a work parent, and of course I went and traveled the world and had a whole lot of fun, and she's mad at me to this very day about that. But anyway, we're starting to travel now more as we get a little bit older, but work parent now. Daisy Dowling is author of the book, Work Parent, by the way, The Complete Guide to Succeeding on the Job, Staying True to Yourself, and Raising Happy Kids, Harvard Business Review Press. Just out May of 2021, and she joins us right now. Daisy, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing just great. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: You don't even sound stressed out because you're a work parent. I asked you, you have a seven and a nine-year-old. And you've written this book and you're an executive coach. I don't hear any stress in your voice, which I'm still stressed out and my kids are grown and I got grandkids now. I'm still stressed. Well, then I'm, then <laughs> I'm doing a really good job
2: with my voice because I think like anybody else combining kids and career, yeah. it's a wonderful journey, but it also involves doing a lot and thinking about a lot. And that can be a little bit stressful at times.
1: I think that thought and being thoughtful is not used enough when we are creating the babies <laughs> <right>? <laughs> that are <laughs> that are going to consume our lives. It's like, oh, this is fun. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, what happened? Oh, that's right. We made a baby. Then two, three and four for me. But let me ask you, how did you get started in this, this new uh, workparent.com is your website and the book how did you get started in all this? I mean, obviously, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. You, you must have had kids and went, oh, my God, what are we going to do now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, necessity was definitely the mother or maybe the working parent of invention in my case. (laughs) So I worked for many years as an executive coach inside some really wonderful, successful corporations. And it was my job to help other people succeed in their careers.
1: Awesome.
2: And a lot of my clients would come to me and say, Daisy, you know, you really helped me figure out my work calendar, my priorities, so I could take on this big new role. But I just became a parent. And now I've got to get out of here every day at six o'clock so I can make it to daycare pickup. Or, you know, I have, uh, you know, 18 month old twins at home and I'm not sleeping and I know I need to be really pushing for promotion right now and being my best self. But how am I going to bring these two spheres of my life together? And I didn't have a lot of great advice for them. I could talk about career stuff, but I couldn't address this working parent issue. And then you see where this movie is going. Of course, when I became a mom nine and a half years ago, myself, I was also facing at the same time I was on parental leave, a big potential career transition, and I had a lot of questions, and I couldn't find that one go-to, reassuring, non-judgmental resource that would just be my reference and that would allow me to look up all the different aspects and you know things I was grappling with, questions, et cetera, and just give me some practical advice. Mm. And I wandered around Barnes and Noble for a long time, and I tried to speak to a lot of other people, trying to find that one, you know, the one person who could dish some of this this out for me, and I couldn't find that person. And very long story short, I ended up rededicating my own career to this, and it's what I do today.
1: I love it. I love it. What's You know, what's so interesting about being a parent is there really, there is no real good manual out there, because we're all different. We come from different cultures, different backgrounds. You know, we got some of us got uh, dis- different jobs, different jobs, dysfunctional families, some of us have perfect families like mine. Oh, that's right. Mine's not perfect either. Don't go anywhere. Daisy Dowling joining us workparent.com. She has written The Manual if you're going to continue working and you need to know what to do next. We'll be right back. Listening to Entrepreneur Weekly, part of Entrepreneur Media, Entrepreneur Magazine, Entrepreneur.com, all things media. Um, our guest today is Daisy Dowling, and uh, she has a brand new book out in uh, just came out in May. It's called "Work Parent: The Complete Guide to Succeeding on the Job." Staying true to yourself and raising happy kids. And uh, she's a parent of two. I'm a parent of four and a grandparent of three and maybe four because one on the way. And... But, uh, you know, it's funny because I, I still go to work. I'm doing to do the radio show. I do a couple of shows and I, I own a business. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a serial entrepreneur, which is even worse because the older you get, the more you continue to do real estate and do business over here and invest in that over there. And and all of a sudden, you know, my wife, who's the CFO, Daisy, you know, I, I told you this in the commercial my wife is in there in her office, in the CFO's office, and I bring a client in there and there's a baby crawling across the floor with a bunch of cars and playing <laughs> little toy things. on the And it's like, oops, grandparents, uh, daughter dropped off the kid. And so it is kind of a crazy new world that we're living in. Do you think because of this pandemic we've just experienced that people are... I was going to say concerned, but very concerned with this may be the new normal or kind of still the great unknown. What are your thoughts on all this?
2: Yeah. So what I'm hearing from working parents right now, including working parent entrepreneurs, is that there is so much unknown. But whatever it is that's coming right from that great unknown, it's probably going to be a lot of transitions. So maybe you're going back into the office having worked from home or your kids are going back to school having been remote or you're starting a new daycare for the first time or you're changing how you work or your schedule in some other way. And for working parents, those transitions, those changes can loom really large. They can be daunting. And that's what I hear from a lot of people Mm -hmm. is that they're either sort of hunkered down, worried about what's coming, or they're trying to get ahead of some of those changes.
1: Well, and uh, so Daisy is in New York City. She's the founder and CEO of WorkParent, an executive coaching and training firm dedicated to helping work parents lead more successful and satisfying lives. I love that. And so if people want to get a hold of you guys, you can all go to WorkParent.com. And she, I'm sure, has plenty of uh, advice for you, as well as... You can buy her book at workparent.com. At least you can find your way to it. And so the big question I have is, is there a trending anything right now? In other words, because so many people were at home working from home, that's a life-changing thing. But is it trending that people are starting to go back to work and, oh, my God, what do I do with my kids? You know?
2: It's trending that people are beginning to make decisions or to be encouraged maybe by their colleagues, by people they're working with, by their clients, et cetera, to make some of those changes. Like if you've been remote, maybe going back to a physical workplace. I think the most important thing that parents can be doing right now for themselves to get ahead of some of those changes and to, to get to a more successful and satisfied place longer term is to think what this kind of hazy idea of flexibility means for themselves individually? What does it mean for, you know, for me in the context of my job, the demands of my job, my life, my family structure, et cetera, and what's really going to be useful? Because you may say, oh, I don't want to go back to the office, or I do want to go back to the office. Well, that's a kind of a, a yes or no decision, but maybe it's, Shifting your hours a little bit, maybe it's working in a different pattern or on a different schedule than you have before. Maybe it's partnering up with you know other team members or bringing somebody into your organization in a different way. There's lots of different ways to think about shifting things up work-wise. It's not just about whether you're, you know, on video calls versus in person. And I think each of us really need to think about what's my personal situation here, and how do I tailor flexibility to fit. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have a chapter in the book that you're most fond of that you feel like this is it, man? This is like the most important chapter.
2: I do. And that's such a terrific question. And it's a chapter on feelings. Mm. Now, I know that sounds kind of soft and mushy and whatever, but I challenge you to go out and to find any working parent, male, female, working in any role and any function, Who doesn't grapple, and particularly in the past, you know, this pandemic time, hasn't grappled with those, you know, common feelings, guilt, overwhelm, feeling a little bit conflicted. We're all walking around with not just our task lists and our to-dos, but those feelings of, am I doing the right thing, of second-guessing ourselves? And in this chapter, I offer a lot of different tools and resources to help people take that volume down so they can focus on what's really important.
1: Awesome. All right, when we come back, Daisy Dowling, author of Work Parent and workparent.com, is going to give us some advice whether you're a boss or you're an employee. If you've got kids, you got you all got the same job. So let's try and maximize what we can do with it with Daisy Dowling. We'll be right back. It is Entrepreneur My life Weekly. Is
0: brilliant. My love is pure. I saw
3: an angel. Of that I'm sure.
0: Stay tuned. There's more Entrepreneur Weekly after these messages. You're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor.
1: And a lot of babies were made, believe it or not, through the pandemic. People were bored. They were home. They were just making babies. And now they're work parents. <laughs> uh, and if you're an entrepreneur uh, and you are the, uh, you're, maybe you're a wantrepreneur and you're trying to figure out, how, now, how am I going to juggle all of this? You know, children and my, my passion, whether it's photography or, you know, a hot dog stand or making boba tea. We just opened a little boba tea store here in the, in the plaza that we're at. It doesn't matter what it is. Now you got Kids. And you got to figure this out. So Daisy Dowling is here, again, author of Work Parent. Again, her website, workparent.com. Daisy, I'm, I'm looking here. I see a note that says, the importance of creating your own working parent operating system and or how to patch and upgrade the one you already have. Maybe we could start there because this is the section where you you're like the professor, you're the the teacher right now. This is for the people that are there, you know, they're in market. They want your book. They want your advice right now. Go.
2: Yeah. So on your computer or on your smartphone, there's an operating system. It's all the stuff that happens kind of outside your regular view that makes the system the way you want to use it, makes it run fast and without any glitches. And as a working parent, you need stuff systems structure, decisions you can make ahead of time. You need all that stuff so that your day-to-day life can run as fast as you want it and without those glitches. Now for entrepreneurs, one of the most important things to get in place for that operating system to be high quality to, you know, to really work is to think about your own boundaries. Now the old joke with working parent entrepreneurs is, you know, you can take the evening off and hang out with the kids if your boss lets you. Well, of course, you're the boss, and a lot of times you don't let yourself. We feel like we need to be on. We need to be working. We're usually you know, trying to push forward work-wise, and it makes it really, really difficult to pivot and spend time with your kids. So the working parents, the entrepreneurs I interviewed for the book were all really thoughtful about how they structured their day and where they delineated, where it was okay and appropriate and they needed to be on workwise, and when they were going to be in parenting mode. And then they didn't spend a ton of time second guessing that decision that gets glitchy, right? Mm. They knew what they were doing and they were able to bring their, you know, the full thunder both as a parent and as a professional when they needed to.
1: Mm. It's so interesting because I know people that don't know how to pivot between the parenting mode and the professional mode. And all of a sudden they go into their professional situation and they're thinking like the parent and they have a different tone in their voice. They have a different energy about them. And all of a sudden they shake their head and they go, Oh no, I forgot, (laughs) forgot to be, you know, the business person. And so it's like, there's so much consciousness that you have to have. What about when people get working parent burnout? And that's when you maybe can't, you're like stuck right there and you're just dragging through your day and you're not supposed to bring that drag to work. When you go to work, you're supposed to leave your, all your personal stuff at the door, right? Yeah.
2: So if you find yourself bringing, you know, your work stuff home, you may be working remote now, but if you find yourself doing that, think about the ways that you could mark those boundaries. Don't just say to yourself, yeah, I'm going to be in parenting mode this evening. Think about yourself like an elite athlete, like a tennis player or a basketball player who bounces the ball a couple of times, who gets super focused on whatever he or she is doing and is ready to go into into play to be in that moment. What are some of the things that you could do? Maybe if you do have a commute home, you park in the garage, you turn the, you know, the car off and you spend just 2 or 3 minutes saying I'm now mentally releasing the concerns of my day. They're still going to be there, but I'm going to release them. I'm going to be able to walk into the house and to see my twins with a smile on my face and being the kind of dad that I want to show up for them as right. and being deliberate about that. And if you can not just have those boundaries, but mark those distinctions, really take like a thick pen and sort of you know have a dividing line, you'll find yourself just feeling lighter. You'll be able to move through each of the spheres without bringing the other one along with you.
1: Man, so important what you just said. I, listen, I'll be the first one to tell you, my wife used to call me the hammer because I would come home from work where I'm dealing with a bunch of, you know, uh, junkyard dogs. I mean, I was in the car business, which is, and I love the car business. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's foul language. It's It's yelling and telling dirty jokes and you come home and you're, you know, you got a three-year-old kid and, you know, I didn't swear around my kids. I was conscious enough to not do that, but I was the hammer. I was the boss, but you can bring work home and you can take home to work. And so these are all so important things. And I love everybody. When I was talking to Daisy, when we first started before the show, I said, you know, tell me real quick, what do you do? And she says, well, I'm an executive coach to help working parents be loving, present moms and dads. And what you said there, when you said present, it's like, this is the missing link parents need to know about is being present with their children and not, you know, just putting the, 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 the weight of the day of your work day on your children. They, they don't understand it. They're, they're like, what have I done? And you're like, nothing it's just, exactly it's life it's on me now it's on you anyway listen i i love what you've done here the book everybody work parent and that's her website too go to her website if you're a working parent and you want more advice daisy dowling workparent.com pick up a copy of her book i think this is what all parents need i wish i would add it daisy thank you for talking with well- us
2: well, thank you so much for
1: having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, no, we, we need this. And, and maybe we should do this like once every couple of months just to remind people this is there. <laughs> I look right. forward to it. All right. That's Daisy Dowling, everybody. Workparent.com. I'm Alan Taylor. This is Entrepreneur Weekly.
0: to entrepreneur weekly now here's your host alan taylor
1: well our next guest is also a work parent well there's the theme for the show today working mothers and people that are you know driven no matter what i I know when my wife had kids i thought well you can't work anymore you can't work i'll go to work you stay home and raise the kids and she's like no okay but guess what Here we are. We've been together 40 years, my wife and I, 40 years. And you know what? She is still my business partner, even though she was at home raising kids and I was out in the world doing my thing. She was always working because her job was the bookkeeper of the family and she kept the books and did all that. And uh, thank God she did, because I would have screwed that up, I'll tell you that right now. Our next guest all the way from Brisbane, Australia, is Rill, and it's it's like Jill with an R, Rill Bergen Doyle. Bergen and Doyle and MVP One Ventures. This woman, I got to tell you, first of all, I was telling Rill in the commercial break, one of my best friends is an Australian. And I got to tell you, I love the whole Australian way of the way they live their lives, the way they always keep a smile on their face, and they're honest, and they're just happy about life. And I know real is going to be a fun interview, because I already talked to her, by the way. Anyway, welcome to the show, real <laughs> <laughs> so, Well, thank
3: you so much, Alan. It's fantastic to be here. I spent nearly five years in the States, and I just love it there. I'm sending all my love to the US of A right now, and uh, thank you again for having me. Oh,
1: my pleasure, my pleasure. Well, do me a favor. Tell the world about... This very interesting named woman, R-Y-L-L, <laughs> Bergen Doyle. And that's, by the way, her website is realbergendoyle.com on the web if you want to find her. But tell us about real.
3: Well, the first part is I grew up with a very entrepreneurial mother. So she had her first business when I was three. So her and her best friend set up a business. They had no money, so they got all their stock on consignment. <laughs> they managed to wangle that. That's awesome. And then uh, they would take turns. So one mother would babysit the myself and the two sons from the other part, person. One mother would babysit the three kids for three or four days that week while the other one went and ran the business, and then they'd swap. So I literally grew up in my mother's businesses when I was six. I used to catch a cab from school to her business and wait for her to finish, <laughs> so... Can you imagine doing that now? No, but in the 1970s, you could probably get away with it. But yeah, so I grew up in business and then naturally I I followed that vibe. I I love business and fundamentally I've spent the last 30 years growing my own or other people's businesses from startups to billion dollar companies to 400 million dollar companies to you know, I've done everything from raise $1.8 million in two weeks at one point. I've had the 11th fastest growing company here in Australia. i am listed in the top 50 female entrepreneurs in Australia. Wow. Uh, and I've been the CEO of a $100 million construction company. And my love, my passion is, is growth. is business growth, brand growth. Anything to make a business grow, that's what I've spent 30 years doing for myself or others.
1: Now, I see here it says you even launched a sustainably farmed milk <laughs> it's like, well, you've done everything. <laughs> wow. Wow. I
3: did. I did. I, I, <laughs> I did. I got together with five dairy farming families. They uh, wanted someone to just come and help them figure out what they could do. And I ended up leading that project and helping them create a brand and a business and set up the structures and everything and then got them launched and got them $2.2 million worth of free press and wow. did a deal with Coles, which is a major supermarket here. There's only two major supermarkets in Australia. Wow. And uh, we did the deal with Coles in three meetings, which is unheard of. And the milk still sells on shelves today. We had equity in that project for a long time and we just uh, sold our shares a couple of years ago. So It's called Green Pastures. It's amazing. It's fantastic milk. It's biologically farmed and sustainably farmed. It's uh, it's fantastic. So, yes, we even did that. And I've even been the founder of a nonprofit that we called Step Up that I created to inspire underprivileged and at-risk kids about the opportunities of business and entrepreneurship. And uh, I grew that brand and that nonprofit to three countries. And we worked with just under 20,000 kids, about half of whom are underprivileged or at risk, really inspiring them about what was possible for their lives oh, that's in business so and in life. I so, love
1: it. I thought you said rich yeah. kids instead of <laughs> underprivileged p- and at no, risk. No, rich. <laughs> I was going, those rich kids need all the at help risk. they could get. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> that's God. That's the
3: Aussie accent thing happening for you, Alan.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay, so the main thrust of your business today is helping companies to grow. And you have a a big footprint in the tech world. But let me ask you something. Because our whole world has been through this pandemic and all of this insanity that we've all just experienced and lived the last, what has it been, almost 18 months of now. You know, is the world, is the business world the same place as we came out of the other side of it? I don't think it is. So how are you dealing with that?
3: No. Absolutely not. It's absolutely not the same place. Uh, A lot of people say that this, you know, people are like, oh, you know, what's happened, what's happened, what's happened. It's thinking like it's the age of loss, but I like to see it as the age of opportunity. When you have consumer behavior shifts, as much as has happened in the last 18 months, there's always opportunities there. B2C, so business to consumer, B2B, business to business, and even B2G, business to government, how those entities are behaving gives rise to huge amounts of opportunity if you're willing to stay open and go for it. So, so, really, this is the age of opportunity if you want to look at it like that. And the way to make sure you're looking at it like that is to stay on your toes as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, and be looking for what else is possible, where else can we add value, how else can we add value versus. Oh, my God, everything that once was is now no longer. That might be true in some cases, but there's always another door opening if you're willing to look from what your customers want. Look from what they want. What do they want? What do they need in this crazy changing world? Absolutely. And then give them that.
1: All right. When we come back from the break here, uh, Rill Bergen Doyle, R-Y-L-L. Bergen is B-U-R-G-I-N and then Doyle, D-O-Y-L-E RealBergendoyle.com on the web She's going to come back and talk about the power of strategy and technology combined in this ever changing world that we're in This is Entrepreneur Weekly, we'll be right back Well, you're listening to Entrepreneur Weekly, Entrepreneur Magazine on newsstands everywhere, even in Australia, all around the world. Entrepreneur, the brand that, well, for a lot of people, that's the crown on their head. When you're an entrepreneur, you have a sense of pride, something you've done, you followed your passion, you followed your heart. And if you're successful, then you feel like, you know, I did this. And of course, you did it with a little help from above, but <laughs> as we all know, uh, but it's, it's a wonderful brand, and I'm, I'm blessed to be able to work with this brand for a number of years now. Our guest today, all the way from Australia, Brisbane, is Rill, and it's spelled R-Y-L-L, like Jill with an R, Rill, Bergen Doyle. And um, her website is com on the web. And she works with tech companies. She's into business growth and brand growth. And uh, real, welcome back, and thanks for uh, calling us all the way from Australia. Let's talk about the the power of strategy and technology combined. It's kind of like entrepreneur squared when you use the right technology and brilliance together. Man, you can really do some business. What do you got there?
3: Absolutely, yeah. you can. So I work with businesses in the tech space, but I also work with a lot of businesses in industries that are typically non not so tech embracing, so construction and other bricks and mortar type businesses. But there's a real opportunity for business owners and entrepreneurs when they embrace strategy and technology. So the first piece is strategy. Most business owners are confused about what that means. They don't understand really how to be strategic. They're often too busy being busy. They don't stop to be strategic. And by that, I mean, even in the crazy times we're having now, we're dealing with a short-term acute thing. And having said that, I know COVID's not going anywhere. It's going to be here forever, but right now we're in the acute phase of dealing with this thing, right? So, so there's a short-term need that all of us have to have our businesses secured, have them operating really well despite the crazy, being able to turn on a dime, all of that stuff. But actually, we need to keep our eye on the long term. Where do we want our businesses to be? You know, Brisbane just won the Olympics last night for, for 2032. So oh, congrats. Uh, yes. where do we want to be? Where right. do we want our businesses to be? Right. <laughs> yes. right. Good news, eh? Yeah, right. <laughs> so businesses, where do we want to be? Where do you want your business to be by a decade from now, just over a decade from now? Use that year as a marker, say. 2032, where do you want your business to be by then? What do you want it to look like in terms of Net profit, therefore revenues that you need to generate that net profit. Impact and reach in your, in your sector, in, the, in, the, in that body of work, that industry. What give back and contribution do you have? And what valuation do you want your business to be by then? What do you want to be able to say that asset is worth, whether you sell it or not? So we have to have a long-term perspective, even though we're dealing with short-term acute things. So if we say, right, well, this is what I want my business to look like in 2032 you then work backwards from that. Well, if that's what I want a decade, say, from now, or a little over a decade from now, what do we need to do now? How to work backwards from that? You always work to be strategic. You work backwards from the future you're creating versus forwards from your current constraints and circumstances. So we take a long-term perspective and we work backwards from that. And what you're looking for is what is the strategy or series of strategies that is going to get me to that 2032 goal, for instance, faster, easier, more profitably than anything else? Where is the leverage I can find? How can I make this happen faster and easier? And most business owners, most entrepreneurs don't stop and do that thinking to actually look at, well, what is my strategy? What is my fastest way to market? What is my fastest way to those 2032 goals, for example? So that's one piece that business owners have to stop and be strategic and do that work. That work has to be done. Also, the strategy is fundamentally determined by the founder, the owner, or the leaders of that business because it's what they want as an outcome is what determines the strategy. So, Alan, if someone says to me, well, look, I just want a lifestyle business. I'm happy to have a million-dollar business per year. I take a couple hundred grand out of that. Super happy with that. Great. There's one strategy or set of strategies that you need for that. If someone says, I want to impact human health and have a billion-dollar business, that's a whole other ballgame strategically, Right. So what the founder wants, what the leaders of that business want absolutely matters because it sets the tone for everything. It sets the tone for the strategy. So that's the first piece. The second piece is the technology piece because most business owners are still grappling with, well, what is tech really going to – some of them are really grappling with what's the big difference. I mean, there's tech that's involved with now. It's embedded into our lives, how we – live on our emails and our phones and our iPhones you know, our, our smartphones, etc. It's It's everywhere. All the apps we use to run our businesses now, all of that is part of, you know, businesses have embraced that. But there's a much bigger play that's available with tech. If you look at the big players like your Facebooks, like your Amazons, like your Googles, all of those, anyone, Airbnb, you think of anyone out there, Uber, Airbnb, any of those big tech plays, if you look, they're all what we call platforms. They're all a platform and a platform is a, a piece of software that allows groups of people to interact and that interaction is where the value is created. So we meet them as a the platform meets the needs of a user on either end of the platform. So Airbnb is a platform, people with houses and places to visit and people who want to travel, Uber platform, Facebook platform, Google platform, YouTube, the platform all of them are platforms. And most people think, well, I could never be a platform. I'm just a little old childcare centre. But we actually have a client, Ben and Jane, beautiful couple in uh, here in Australia, and they have childcare centres. They have seven childcare centres. And you think, well, how could tech, other than the way we daily live with tech, really be a player for that? Well, they're actually, they're looking, as every business owner should be looking, look at how you could transition your current business in your current industry Exploring how a platform model could apply, or how a form of tech could apply and expand right. your reach and allow you to scale and grow. All right, hold still. So,
1: we're going to do this on the other side and, because I want you to maybe walk people through what they've done. Childcare, right? I mean, it's like you said. You think, well, you know, I'll just watch kids. Yeah. Well, you still got to have a strategy, and you got to have, you know, some technology. And if you want to be successful. Take a little break and talk more with Real Bergen Doyle, R Y L L, Real Like Jill. We'll be right back. It's Entrepreneur Weekly. World, are you paying too much for business insurance? Do you have critical gaps in your coverage? Entrepreneur insurance can help you find out. In six out of ten policies, business owners are paying too much for property, general liability, or workers' comp insurance. Entrepreneur Insurance can help you identify ways to save and any gaps in coverage. Head to entrepreneur.com slash insurance to complete the questionnaire and get a personalized quote. It's an easy way to find out if you're paying too much. Again, that's entrepreneur.com slash insurance.
0: Discover unstoppable industry influencers who celebrate disruptive thinking and game-changing business strategies on Entrepreneur Weekly. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor.
1: And we're talking to Real Bergen Doyle, all the way from Brisbane, Australia. And uh, you can find her at her name, R-Y-L-L, BergenDoyle.com. And um, you know, I, I saw something that... It struck me. I just want to read it to you. It was a meme. It says, addiction is giving up everything for one thing. Recovery is giving up one thing for everything. And I think to myself, a lot of times, entrepreneurs are like addicts. They're giving up their whole life to do this business, this thing they've been doing, And but they, their pride gets in the way. And guess what? Recovery. This is the point where your business, you, you know, you love your business, but it's just not doing it. You got to be able to sometimes give up your pride and learn something new. Seek out new information. And that's what this show is about. People like Real joining us all the way from Australia, giving us some advice how you think to yourself, "Well, I've got a little child care place and you know, we take care of kids, you drop them off." And what kind of technology does it take for that? Well, Real is here to tell you that there is a lot of good technology for that, right, Real? Absolutely. Absolutely. So
3: one of our clients is is an amazing woman named Jane Chambers and uh, Jane has childcare centers and uh, Jane and Ben, her husband, seven childcare centers now. And first of all, we did the strategic work I was just talking about. We sat and said, where do you want this childcare thing to be? Really? Are you going to just, you know, have two or three or four centers or are you going to grow it? And we came up with a strategy to grow the bricks and mortar business, to grow the childcare business. And then we did the second piece I was just mentioning, meaning, Let's look and see how could we transition the current business into some kind of platform model to scale in the industry, but in a different form. And so with them, we are literally building a platform that brings parents, the childcare center and transport for the kids together, such that we are addressing the problems that the parents have with Mm. the way our lives are today. More demands for work, more demands for, you know, the kids are doing so much more stuff. Right. And what the kids need in terms of security and safety and then what the childcare business as a platform now, sorting all those issues out, can make available for people. So it's really about thinking about how can you use tech to extend what you've already probably spent, as you said, being addicted to their businesses, already spent years doing and have years of expertise in. How can you extend that and use tech to help you extend that? Strategy and tech come together to grow the overall
1: business. You know, it reminds me of the book, three feet from gold, how people, they spend their lives digging, 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 and then they give up. They give up because they just feel helpless and they don't know what to do. And they, they aren't, you know, looking a little bit further, digging a little bit further. And then they finally strike gold. And and this is, to me, this is the striking gold. I noticed you said this is not an age of loss, but it's an age of opportunity where your life can be amplified, extended, your your profits can be amplified and extended by using a little bit of brilliance, of course, and talking to people like you and using Entrepreneur Magazine as a place to find a lot of things like this. But using technology to amplify the message and or to make it better, however that may be, like you just got done talking about there, child care. And it's brilliant. So people can get a hold of you through your website, R-Y-L-L dot com. What can you help them with? Just real quickly, what is your, your, do you have coaching or what do you do?
3: Basically, I work with entrepreneurs and business owners who are committed to growth if you want to grow your business significantly and I don't mean incremental growth like most people suffer through I mean exponential growth where you can get to your big picture dreams faster more easily then I work with them to figure out what is their strategy going to get them there and we map out 10-year plans but we don't do it like the stodgy old way it's very exciting and fun love it Uh, the other thing we do is I have a tech we have a tech business that helps people do exactly what Ben and Jane are doing and looking at How can they extend their industry knowledge in and use tech to scale because, as you said, that amplification, digital equals scalable. You don't need 50,000 childcare centers. You just need to create a platform that adds value to parents and children, for an example. Um, And the last thing I want to say, just to give a little bit of value, three things to think about. Agility, utility, and flexibility. Agility moves quickly. Uh, utility, make it useful, make sure it adds value and flexibility. you have to move with what the, what, the, what your customers want and how they want to do business. Better.
1: All right. Uh, you can find out more about the tech part of it at MVp1.com.au. Uh, real, it's been great. It's been real, uh, but real R Y L L Bergen Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, real. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. All Thanks right, so much for having me. I'm going to come to Australia, Brisbane in 2032 to the Olympic Games. If the world is still yes. here. we'll see you guys all next week. See you then.
0: Hey, strangers. This program is copyrighted by Entrepreneur Media Incorporated. <laughs>